be related to all of this, right? So um, lecture 10 is, is all about ascending and descending uh, spiritual levels. And so we, we kind of go through like Isaiah decoded in, in a nutshell, right? Where we're uh, starting at the bottom, kind of the worst and, and working our way up and kind of taking a look at um, what Isaiah is presenting as this, um, this ladder to heaven, this end time scenario of how we, we rise and what kind of... Um, relationships we have with others on on different various levels as we're uh, navigating the end times <clears throat> and so um uh, anyway just with our our discussion already it, it was interesting last night as i was just kind of emotionally drained <laughs> that it's like okay but am i just gonna sit here and wallow or am i gonna like have this compassion move through me to to propel me to do better things to to be of help in the last days you know like what a, when this does hit home further like what what do i do you know like uh, kathy was talking about um would it, would i just sit there and freeze or would i have my brain on and uh have went through the motions being prepared as a a king in israel to to act to redeem, to save, to protect, um, because that's what Isaiah's letter is all about, is, is preparing us for this, you know, it's kind of like the, um, the, the training ground, <laughs> the first thing that pops in my head is like Mulan, right, I don't know <laughs> why I always go to like Disney movies or something, but, um, you know, when the, you have to train uh, these misfits in order to uh, to prepare for for the battles that, that lay ahead kind of a thing, and um, I feel like that's where we're all at, right? I mean, uh, we're all um, gods in embryo, but before we get to to the gods level, that we're we're training to to rise up in our covenants as, as kings and queens of the Gentiles and and things. And anyway, so I found this lecture very very timely, as always, and uh, very pertinent into uh, to my own quest for answers in in challenging times and, and things, but um what did you all um which level of the ladder and, and things were you most focused on as, as you read this week i was fascinated that he called out the precepts of men a number of times um he always talks about those and i'm like hey list them let's <laughs> let's clean these things up yeah um I know shattering triangles deals with quite a few of those. I like their their channel, but um, yeah, he was really clear. Um, well, let me think what they were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just kind of <laughs> scrolling through some of them. Um, six minutes, twenty two seconds. Um, maybe Ooh. there was one before that. Yeah, let's talk about that one at six minutes there. So it says again we run into precepts of men here consistently because according to some you have to have a full knowledge of everything before you can become a son of perdition and he says not so it's spoken of that it would be better for some for example who violate children never to have been born whenever you see that expression it's identifying a perdition category it doesn't mean that they never had the holy ghost but before they committed these horrendous acts they had lucidity enough to know good from evil 
And so, yeah, what, what do you guys think about that? Because that was something that I've always heard, right? That sons of perdition have to have seen the vision of all and chosen to go against it kind of thing. I mean, I've actually, I've taught that in Sunday school myself. So like, I don't know, opinions, thoughts on that, because I think that that's a interesting uh, precept that he's calling out here. I've never really wrestled with it on the other side <laughs> before. I was like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I I wrote that one down because that stood out to me too. And uh, not that I have a great answer, but I was just like, yeah, I would like to know more about that. And I would just, it would be nice if he could expand a little bit more. Like, yeah. <laughs> so what leads you to saying that, you know, like where you, what, you know, is it just the, you know, he obviously is quoting Doctrine and Covenant 76 a lot. I'm like, is he gathering that from there or like, I don't know. I would, I would definitely like to understand that a little bit more. Cause yeah, my thought has always been like, you basically have to receive all and then deny it and to become that level. But anyways, I, I think it kind of like, as he goes through these different categories and the, the, you know, Doctrine and Covenant 76, uh, I, I think, oh, what was I trying to formulate my thoughts? Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's, I guess I'm always just left with like, yeah, there's, there's so much more to learn than we think we know. <laughs> and, right. and, and I don't know, sometimes like after listening to him, it is kind of like, yeah, I don't think we're doing as good as we think we are, you know? Um, but, but I don't say that with like judgment or with like, oh, we're all condemned, we're all damned or whatever. But it makes sense to me when I, when we look at, when we, I mean, we look at our savior and, 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 and it does seem kind of absurd when we kind of, we look at how we overall, it seems like we view things in the churches, you know, we, we get to kind of just live our celestial lives. And then after we die, we're just all sudden at Christ level living with Christ and, you know, without going through all that. So, you know, to me, it's like, well, duh, no, not even close. Like anyways. And then there's that, oh, where would, there's just this great quote from Joseph Smith that essentially like, you know, you think if you think you're going to attain the glory or level of these people who have essentially you know he lists just i don't know martyrs or uh people who've really given it their all in life if we really do we really think we're going to you know receive that level of glory without paying that price or whatever mm -hmm. anyways i'm just rambling sorry um but yeah, I would love to, if anybody has more thoughts on the perdition thing, I'd love to hear them. I think if you um, look back on 
like the very first 23 seconds, um, Spencer saw that there were other types of kingdoms or places that were not types of glory. I think if we consider that, then it makes it all the more agreeable that more people are perdition. Um, there's so many people who have sunk to just depravity and I cannot imagine that they have any type of glory. And, but I didn't know where to put that in my brain mm -hmm. until visions of glory talked about these other types of places that were not of glory. And it, he quotes, he says, these, or I quote, these were of every type of every description and were created in response to their desires. They wanted nothing more to do with God or his intervention in their lives. So he gave them what they wanted, whatever it was. And there they would stay throughout eternity, unable to challenge God's authority ever again. And I just thought how, how perfectly godly of him. Mm -hmm. to, I mean, agency is king. I always, I don't know when that hit me, probably a dozen years ago, but I always come back to agency. It is the ruling law of the universe. I really do believe that. And when we violate others' agency, it's very serious. God will never violate our agency, even to the very casting us out to where we're happy, but away from him. Like, it's just so poignant to me. Yeah. <clears throat> Isn't that kind of almost the whole test of life is just to let's grow up and start honoring people's agency i mean if that was universal that we wouldn't have half the issues i mean we could disagree without being disagreeable but we would allow people to choose uh to, to worship however whatever they may hmm. i think that really is the whole point of life like you said i mean are we going to choose god or not i mean that's that's everything Mm -hmm. and these people repeatedly sink to the level that they will never choose god they have completely aligned themselves with the dark side and i don't think they have to have had to know the height of a prophet i really don't mm -hmm. yeah that always kind of made me a little bit scared uh, as a, a child or youth or whatever like Oh, so if that's perdition, that they have to be, you know, the vision of all prophet level kind of stature, like we have to watch out for all prophets, like they're they're all uh, able to to fall or whatever, and and thus become perdition because that's where perdition comes from. And so, I mean, it was always just kind of like a little, <laughs> it I don't know, it, you know, some things just don't quite sit right with you, and they just kind of scare you, but you don't know why or anything. And so, yeah, it it, it makes sense, but yeah. Um, we're just going through some of these other questions and stuff in here. So what do we do about it? <laughs> so when we have, um, uh, agency being threatened and, and taken away and we have, uh, we have to be in the world, but not of the world. Right. So like, what do we, what do we do? 
isn't the answer always in, in covenants and, and power. We choose to make covenants with God, and thus he enables us to reach beyond our, our normal abilities and scope, gives us spiritual gifts in order to, to minister to everyone. So we see how that looks like on, on various levels of the ladder, clear up until seraphim that are the ones doing the uh, actual uh, heavy lifting of, of protection and, and blessing and things. But um, what does that look like for us who are are here today studying uh, in this group? What, what do we do about this kind of stuff? Um, <laughs> it's one thing to, to read and study, but how do we actually do? I think that's my ever-present <laughs> question. I don't have a... Go ahead. <laughs> it might sound weird, but for me, I love comfort and um, solitude so much that I moved out in the woods and I could never leave my house. Like I have Costco delivered. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know and that. <laughs> I feel like this last year has been such a gift from God to allow me the clarity and the time and the privacy and the quietness to study and to really um, devote myself to learning about his nature and um, he's, he's pushing me to get out and to go interact and to do and be present in other people's lives more. Now, mind you, I was Relief Society president um, up until a year ago. So I was already doing that. And I was so grateful to just come home <laughs> and be home. Um, but he's been telling me to get out and interact. And I think once we have this knowledge, we have to go out and practice for me anyway, that's not a natural thing to want to be out in other people's business, but I have to practice these principles. Um, can't hide. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's one of my just natural inclinations, tendencies is just to like, oh, I, I could just be by myself. I can be a hermit. I can do these things. And, and, oh, and it gives me all this time to study and all this kind of stuff. But, <laughs> but it always leads to, to that as well. It's like, no, go out, <laughs> go serve, go minister, go do this, go do that. Uh, other people are are having the worst time of their lives and you need to, to go, you need to be the ministry angel uh, kind of thing uh, to always be on the Lord's errand. And it's like, the more I study, the more I want that. And then it's like, okay, now go do it. <laughs> and that's always kind of the hardest transition part. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't be a hermit anymore. I kind of think about those, um, like the the prophets that we have and and uh, all, all the general authorities, how when they are called, especially the all the apostles, because there's only one way out, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they're in it for life. Uh, some of your other ones are in for five years or whatever they're in for. But um, I think how they have to give up all the things that they, they have loved to do. I, I mean, you can say, well, if they want to go golfing once in a while, they can. But actually, things change where your, your focus is on 
we are here to save people. And I, there's so much on my plate. I don't have time to go do that. It's kind of like last week when I told you about how I love, <laughs> love sewing. And I, I go back to that because I'm thinking I really did have a, a love for it. But things have changed as I've been, it's like the good, better, and best. I was not prone to go out and do bad things per se, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, now what am I going to focus on? I've got to be on a higher level. I think about uh, President Hunter, I believe it was him, that he played the horn and he played it, uh, and I can't remember which kind it was, was it a French horn or something, but he played it in, in bands and stuff, you know, on ships or whatever. But he put it away and never touched it again. And I thought, how? Why? Why would you do that? But then I can see your eyes are open to there are better things, and it is in reaching out and 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 helping our fellow man. And what? I mean, how did you feel, Cameron, when you got on on the screen today? Your heart was just so so full of compassion, and 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 it is, and and I think many probably you all are. I'm sure you all are because uh, you sense it and that these are people, people need help. And, and even those around us, it, it's kind of hard to want to take upon somebody else's dirt, but when they're hurting, we've, we've covenanted to, to lift each other. So anyway, I think about the brethren, how they have sacrificed totally everything. Every minute of their day is in service to God. And actually, that's where I want to be. It exhausts me, but that's where mm -hmm. I want to be. <laughs> I know. It's kind of like in the the mission field, just that last sentence that you said there or whatever. It's kind of exhausting, but you do it. Like, as a missionary, I mean, there's sometimes when you're just so into to teaching and loving those who, who you're finding that, I mean, you just come home just mentally exhausted each and every day kind of thing. Uh, being kind of worn out in the the Lord. Um, um, I'm trying to like think of like two or three different little things here at once. Sorry. But um, yeah, I, isn't that interesting? Sometimes we think that the Lord's rest is is a time to just, you know, lounge out and <laughs> be able to 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 rest. But it, it's actually that that Hebrew word means a, a holy work. It, it's not uh <laughs> resting on our laurels kind of a thing um sorry i just had my dream from last night come back to me and so i'm hurrying and making a note what that was because i couldn't remember it when i woke up okay um so there's another um interesting precept here that he he talks about um, I, at, I think at 1131 says now endless punishment or let's see, is that the one? No, it was the every tongue confess thing. Where was that one at? Just write the next paragraph above 1033. Oh yeah. I had scrolled down just a little bit. Um, yeah. So 1033, here's another precept of men that we run into because there are those who believe that as the scripture says, every, um, knee shall bow and every tongue confess there again the word every has to be qualified all except sons of perdition because they will not do that the lord gives them free choice to do whatever they want and he honors their choices so if they do not do that they will not be redeemed and they are not 
And so that was another one that was kind of a little bit shocking because I mean, like <laughs> we can all quote or at least paraphrase that, uh, that scripture, right? That every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Christ. I've always taken that very literally and not putting any qualifiers on that. But anyway, I, I thought that that was such an interesting principle. Do you guys agree with that? Do you, um, does it somewhat rub you the wrong way as it did me the first time I heard it? I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. it just seems uh, different than everything that I've ever heard, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, God does honor agency. Yeah, and I was going to so, say. Yeah, it does make sense, especially just like what Shalisa said, like the importance of agency and, and yeah, it would make sense to me, the perdition category, not bowing the knee, you know, or confessing Christ. Uh, so, yeah, it is, it's just interesting. Again, yeah, so many things constantly, you just like, you hear it, you take it, you think you know it, and then yeah, then Avraham comes along and knocks it over, <laughs> or just expands it maybe. So if it's meant to be in that kind of a situation, what does every knee shall bow mean? Does that just mean descent phases? Like everyone will be forced to to go through that. I mean standing is kind of like a, a covenant privilege right and then every knee shall bow that you are um descending being lower uh, uh going through that that depth kind of a thing so maybe it's not every knee shall bow in adoration but every knee shall bow like we're all going to be going through the same end time descents and scenarios kind of a thing i don't know i, I i'm just trying to <laughs> to wrap my head around what the the original intent behind that that prophecy was and um because i had definitely applied a, a different perspective to it and so i don't know i'm just trying to apply different symbolisms different meanings what um that could mean in in this kind of a context i think i have uh, something that came to me um at the point that every knee shall bow and tongue confess, all of those that are in perdition and Babylon levels will have been gone. They're gone. They're no longer there. Mm -hmm. um, I like your, your take on that, but I think it's because it's coupled with every tongue confessing. I think it's a worship bow. Um, yeah, and that makes sense with, with the time structure there. Uh, yeah them not even i mean yeah it's it's black and white you either have to go one way or the other and those that are left are, are doing this that makes a lot of sense we're sorry to have to ask but where is where is that scripture i mean i'm sure it's it's multiple places but like uh i guess i could just look it up but i love that point shalice that's like yeah that makes a lot of sense Oh, I just Googled it and it says it originates in Isaiah. <laughs> well, yeah. <First>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> I, that was honestly the last place that I would think that that's where it originates from. But um, so Isaiah 45, 23. Um, uh, so this may be a different translation. I'm not familiar what AMPC is, but um god declares i have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth into the righteous and shall not return 
that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. So I'm not sure which, uh, that's just from my Google search. I don't know which translation that is, but. Yeah. Um, and then Philippians 2, 10 through 11. Um, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess something. I, it's clipped off there, but. That Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God, the father. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those seem to be the, the two kind of things. So Philippians is uh, referencing Isaiah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go search that one. It, it seems like the more that I'm getting versed in scriptures, the more that I'm having to correct different paraphrases and, and things that mm -hmm. I, I've learned, right? Because I, I mean, and this is not in any way trying to be naughty to, <laughs> to Abraham, but like, there's one thing that he says in there or whatever. And I'm like, I don't remember the scripture saying that. And I went and looked it up and it doesn't, you know, like he was just kind of quoting it off the top of his head and, and getting a different paraphrase in it. Right. And we all do that because we don't have perfect memory. <laughs> and so um, it, it's interesting, you know, like the, the famous um, Mandela effect of the uh, the lamb and the lion shall lie down together kind of thing. It's like, there was no <laughs> uh, lion. It, it, it was the, the wolf. Like, that's what the scriptures always said. And uh, just because we have a painting doesn't make that it's changed over to a lion kind of a thing. And so, um, I don't know. It's just interesting how uh, that, that comes up. So every time, like this one that we were talking about here, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, I was like, I've got to go look that up because that, that doesn't make... Um, I can't remember, and I, I really want to make sure to get the thing right versus just trying to paraphrase all the time. Um, well, another one that um, that's how it's stated in the temple. The the every tongue confess kind of thing, or the yeah, that's uh, the exact quote from the temple. Oh yeah, and and it's interesting because the temple primarily focuses on the book of Moses. I wonder if there's another thing in there because I mean, probably wouldn't come up on a Google search, but uh, I wonder if there's another reference quote in there. I know, I wish <laughs> Google would get better at some of our Latter-day <laughs> scriptures as well and uh, get those right in there on page one along with the other results and make it so much easier. I'm sure um, scripture notes does that uh, quite well, but I haven't uh, used that for a little while. Hmm. Yeah, I think there. You're right, though. There are so many of these little uh, scriptures or snippets that we throw out there, and we think we understand. But you know, maybe we do on that on a certain level. You know, again, like that triangle thing <laughs> uh, concept. But uh, oh my gosh, constantly, it's just like oh yeah, I don't think that means what we think that means or, or there's just so much more, you know, the, and, and to me, it's just these goodness, the scriptures that it, it just such a important reminder that it's important that we dive in and not think we understand something just because we've heard it parroted our entire lives. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I, not to go off on this like huge tangent, Actually, I probably better not <laughs> uh, now that I, I put it out there. Uh, but like, 
this is an interesting thing that many who are defecting from the church are, are starting to lean on, right? That Joseph Smith never mentioned Elijah. And uh, that was a, a thing that happened later on in the restoration that they said, oh, and Joseph Smith seen Elijah in the temple. Joseph Smith, Hiram, nobody concurrently at the time spoke of Elijah. That, that wasn't a thing um, that was written about uh, kind of thing in in the moment and so like but if you would have asked me clear up until two days ago when i started studying that i was like yeah obviously i mean we have the account we have the paintings we have all the stuff you know <laughs> but um it, it's interesting that we have that from secondhand accounts we don't have primary accounts which which is fine but um <laughs> it's just interesting because i thought for sure joseph would have uh for sure wrote that in his journal the night of like hey elijah <laughs> you know kind of a thing but it's just interesting that we don't have any primary accounts of that experience there's uh, a lot <laughs> i know there's just so much to, to unpack and and the thing is the church is like new right i mean what we've been around for a couple hundred years <laughs> and some of these other world religions that have been on for for a long time and and how much precepts um work their way into to all things but yeah sorry that was a, a weird tangent on my part sorry <laughs> back to uh ascending and descending levels here i find it interesting that um jacob israel is is kind of different for everybody like where we have um like we're, we're usually born on, on that level of the ladder, right? The Jacob Israel is kind of the neutral point and you choose to go to Babylon or you choose to, to rise to, to Zion, Jerusalem. But that uh, within the church, we kind of get on like this, this fast track. Um, I know a lot of people have been sending me different like questions and, and things from, from Facebook posts that of um, like, how do we better teach our children? You know, like we're baptizing eight-year-olds, like, uh, you know, it's kind of a hard thing, but like, we're just on this like fast track and, oh, and get them the priesthood at 12 years old and this and that. And it just, <laughs> we're training these kids really early, trying to get them up to the Zion Jerusalem level as quickly as possible kind of a thing. And yet some people have their whole lives to, to make the decision. Jacob Israel, accept covenants, uh, 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 progress and, and ascend the, the ladder to heaven. And so it's just interesting how people are experiencing that level in very different ways and different timetables. Um, but yet it's, it's crucial for us to do so because um, like we've mentioned uh, just a little bit ago that um, like you can't stay there. That, that level is it, it's black and white. It'll be done away with um, uh, you either have to choose one or the other. Um, and so we just, as usual church members we just <laughs> try to speed up that process as quickly as possible get them in the temple uh and enter to the end <laughs> but anyway uh, it's just something that that really hit me as, as i was reading the, the lecture this week how how different that is for for different people what really stood out to me was um it's it's around uh the 41 20-ish, but we talked last week about the pioneers and their journey. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Anyway, their journey uh, sanctified them and, and cleared them. 
because it cleared the iniquities in their lines and stuff. But it was so interesting how it referred to the uh, visions of glory. And in there, remember that if you've read that book, um, like Spencer himself, which I think his real name's Tom, Thomas, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, he he had to make that journey with a group. And it was that journey that helped sanctify them. Uh, they had to go through kind of a wilderness type thing like the pioneers did. And it, it goes on to say that... Um, well, even at the end of the book, um, when uh, Spencer, uh, he, he was in Zion and stuff, and, and he went out to rescue those ones that were in the cave. Can you remember that? And he, he rescued them. He got there in his portal because he had the portal at that time. But they had taken some wagons because those people had to go through the journey to Zion. Even though they'd been rescued, they still had to do that journey to, to sanctify that. But in, in this thing, it goes on to say that there are some that don't have to do that journey because they did they sanctified themselves, got themselves sanctified on their own. But it all goes back to those clearing those iniquities. But if you do it on your own, and you, you don't have to do this journey, but but how often in the scripture, even like the Israelites, Moses and the Israelites coming out of the thing, they had to wander for 40 years because they were cleansing that till all of the ones died off, you know, that had um, these iniquities there. Anyway, it's like, it's just really interesting how many times in the scriptures are there stories of having to go into the wilderness and, and go through this stuff to get those things cleared. But it is possible uh, that you can clear it on your own. Uh, but it's a it's a tough journey that that is too, you know. But it seems to be something that we we have to go through. Yeah. Anyway, I thought so, that was interesting. Yeah. Um, because part of this we'll have to, to cover next time with the, the whole sun servant level and, and everything, because the midway part just goes through Zion, Jerusalem. But um, isn't it interesting? What is is required to 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 clear iniquities? It it requires like this this wilderness journey. Um and and so there there's parts that are in Zion Jerusalem. There's parts that are in Son Servant, um, but there's there's a sanctification that has to happen. So what is it about a wilderness journey, whether as a group or uh, previously as an individual, um, previously uh, ahead of time as an individual going through your own wilderness, that actually sanctifies, and and what does that mean for us as we are. Uh, going through the process like we have one ordinance that sanctifies us right uh, the sacrament that we offer up a broken heart and a contrite spirit and we cleanse we clear through that that ordinance 
And so um, we're, we're invited to the Lord's Supper, the, the Lord's table every Sabbath in order to, to, to cleanse, to expiate, to, to receive God's full atonement as we uh, acknowledge those things, uh, whether our own or, or generational. But it's interesting that every week we're called upon to go through a wilderness journey, and it's up to our choosing if we'll actually take that journey or not. Sometimes we just go through the the motions and we come to the sacrament table not having really been through a, I mean, a proper wilderness journey, let me say that, because I mean, we all go through every kind of thing every week, but are we going through it purposeful and with the intent to sanctify, with the intent to cleanse? As soon as we take the sacrament to be going back out into the world for another wilderness journey in order to cleanse and purify something new, something else, and come back, return and report, and hand it over to offer it up on the, the altar and have it consumed, just like the Israelite sacrifices, have it entirely consumed, never to return to it again, to have it completely expiated. I don't know. That's just, it's been, uh, me and my mom had this conversation earlier this week, and it was just like, man, I'm, I'm seeing this in a whole new light that I, I've just never understood it, that the process of a wilderness journey is something that we can choose the timing of, but if we don't, then we will be called to go through it as a group later on, you know, just as many other groups, like it's literally every single scripture has to do with some wilderness group going through this expiatory um, clearing of, of generational iniquities and things, but um, but we can choose to to enter into that ahead of time if we we so choose it will be hard you'll we'll be alone you won't have other people pushing and pulling and eating the the dust of the last wagon but um anyway it's just what is it about a wilderness journey and if we can find the pattern in all of the wilderness journeys in the scriptures how can we apply that to our own personal wilderness journeys and be successful in in all that leaning on the lord in in all things sorry i, I really went off there <laughs> I really like that. And that's interesting that we can do that and are invited to do that every week. Um, I remember Linda Cherry saying once uh, that each week during this segment, she, she um, envisions in her own way that she is walking up to the sacrament table and leaving that on the altar each time. And that helps her um, to get where she needs to get in her thoughts and stuff. Because our minds can wander during the sacrament if we're not uh, just really thinking mm. about these things. Never thought about that before. So, like when you say that that key word there, wander. It made oh, me wander yeah. wilderness Israelite. Oh, <laughs> interesting there that it has to be purposeful for mm -hmm. to be a successful mm -hmm. wilderness journey that that expiates. If we just wander, then we're aimless for forty years, kind of a thing. Oh, interesting. That's uh, interesting. That's funny that you picked up on that. Oh my gosh. You um so as you're talking about that, like I'm I'm in 
I don't know, just the the law of sacrifice um, in the temple kind of pops into my mind. Like, do you see that kind of correlating with that step or whatever you call it? Like, uh, just on our on our journey in you know through the endowment and everything like is that do you see that fitting into that yeah i do that offering or anyways just something i'm trying to figure out (laughs) yeah so it it's interesting kind of my process because i've never been like great at doing this every single week and and trying to keep it up you know like i kind of go through different phases of of things but my first thing was coming back from an education week talk that just like totally blew my mind on on how to better offer up a a broken heart kind of a thing but it really comes down to you have to kind of know israelite sacrifices and what each part symbolized in order to like get the reference when it changes and christ institutes this new um way of sacrificing uh, for the next generation that like you brought the the sheep into the home and then you uh, the the head of the household places his hands upon the head of the sheep, gives it a, a blessing. Necess- I mean, uh, for lack of a better word, and transfers all of the the sins, iniquities, transgressions upon the head of the sheep, so that it is now sin personified. And then you offer it up on the altar and let it be consumed completely. Right? I mean, that's the way oversimplified version of of everything. But if we we're to say now that um, uh, well, an important thing, slitting the throat, right? I mean, that uh, you you have to do it with your right hand and and you have to feel the life going out of the animal. That, that's the, the other key part. And so um, as you're offering up a broken heart and a contrite spirit, okay, so there's two things that we have to um, to offer up each week at the sacrament. And so uh, like Linda's uh, example, that we were actually walking up to the altar because all of our ordinances are consider yourself as, right? Like consider yourself as Adam and Eve in this, consider yourself as this, consider yourself as this. So we're actually in, just because we have too many people to to do this for every single person. So we're considering ourselves as, and if we're walking up to the altar and we are instead of symbolically placing our our hands upon the head of the lamb and transferring the sins, we are doing it to our own hearts and choosing to break them. Here's my broken heart and my contrite spirit, the, the spirit actually leaving the body, placing it upon the altar and saying, this needs to be consumed and only Christ can do that. But through the the authorized representatives, we have uh, the symbolic elements necessary in order to expiate this, offer that up. And what do we get back? We get back a fleshy heart that hasn't turned to stone that we can then again go out with the purpose of, of turning to stone to, to expiate something else, to, to find other sins and iniquities and generational issues that need cleansed so that we can turn this heart to stone again, place it upon the altar and get rid of it. Because it, there, it's just impossible to do it all at once. Otherwise there would be one sacrifice and, and we wouldn't need to do the sacrament ever again. And so choosing to go out on a new wilderness journey and with the intent 
to to accumulate, to um, to cleanse, to to help others uh, bear one another's burdens, mourn with those that mourn, to gather all of that, and then willingly. I mean, because it has like it's a sacrifice, right? Like you're killing something. Like you're actually ripping out your heart and saying, "This is done." And um, it was very painful, and we never want to return to this again. This is this, and uh, going through that that whole process. There's the the whole thing. Like everybody's like, "Oh, why are the the sacrament hymns so? They're like a funeral march." Yeah, it's that. I mean, that's their intent. <laughs> Whose funeral is it? Ours, and Christ's, and everyone else who is a savior on Mount Zion, right? Like we're we're all to die. This is our own funeral. This is Christ's funeral. This is a, a sad time because we are cleansing. And then whoever is at the pulpit after the sacrament represents a, a resurrected savior bearing glad tidings, good news that this is done. And we're on, let's, let's go load the wagons again. Let's go out on another wilderness journey and let's tackle this. And we'll meet back here in a week and go through the same process over again so that we can cleanse that out and be done. But then somewhere on Monday, we lose momentum and we forget where we're at and the veil of forgetfulness and <laughs> ganas in Spanish, for lack of a better word, that we just, oh yeah, Sunday, on Saturday evening, oh yeah, Sunday. Is it a fast Sunday? Do I have to fast? Like, whatever that is, whatever that process looks like. But if we choose to be very purposeful from the very get-go, from Monday on to, to go through this wilderness journey, then it actually becomes salvific. It brings sanctification upon the individual and upon those that we are helping with whatever. Whether we're working on this side of the veil, on the other side of the veil, being um, just good members of the church, mourning with those that mourn, et cetera, you know, um, Anyway, that, that would be like my ideal way to live every single day of my life. But like I said, I go in like cycles and stuff. And there's sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot to really do that wilderness this week. Like <laughs> I, I got caught up in my own little things and, and stuff. And so it, it doesn't become necessarily a funeral rather than a, oh, I just got to do better kind of thing. And so I can't say that it's a perfect practice, but I think that that's the goal. But I don't know. Anyway, uh, if anybody has when, thoughts and experiences with the sacrament. When you say it like that and stuff, it, it, I'm thinking in my own mind, it's like, well, that's doable. That's something I can do. It, when it's explained like that, I that was beautiful. It really was. And yeah, totally. Oh, I so appreciate you sharing that. That is so beautiful. And yeah, Darlene, it does, it feels, it feels doable. And you know, just knowing what to focus on and how to approach it. I love that. I love that. It really does. It gives purpose to every week. Okay, wow. we start over. We are doing this journey. I can get through the week. I, I like it too. That was an eye opener for me. Thanks. Thank Cameron. you. Thank you, Cameron. That was beautiful. It really was. I must have been speaking by the spirit because I wasn't really <laughs> going for it. Well, I'm glad it was helpful. But um, it's interesting how 
you know, like that's the one ordinance that we do weekly, right? I mean, we go through our things for ourselves one time, then we go through um, the, the proxy work for it. So everything can be broken down into kind of like this micro chasm of, of things, right? So you have the, the overarching covenants and then you have like this, this weekly covenant kind of thing. But what what's even smaller than the weekly covenant? And that is our prayers, that we are gifted the opportunity to return and report every single day. And if we do that properly, then we can actually uh, not forget that the Sabbath is coming and that we need that we're on this wilderness mission kind of a thing. Like that that personal power of prayer and bringing the temple into our prayers. So I, that's the only other thing that I would add to that, that sometimes we have a mm -hmm. hard time remembering from week to week but can you remember from day to day? Like that's that's where it really comes in because if you can master that, that's why scriptures and prayer are so important on the daily so that it can build into that weekly and eventually into our our biggest ones. And like, yeah. oh, excuse me. Go for it. Yeah, I was done. Like President Nelson says, we need to repent daily. It's a daily thing. So that's a good time to do it is as we're returning and reporting to our Heavenly Father daily. Mm -hmm. um. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I, I'm sure that we'll we'll cover a lot more on the, the Sun Servant level and some of the kind of specifics and things like that on the next week, but. Um, One more thing. Yeah. To kind of bookend um, the way that we started the meeting with heavy hearts. Um, just above minute 14, it says, well, it's kind of an odd sentence. Who were the ones who opposed the righteous and God's elect? In fact, who helped them to rise to the elect level and the level of translated beings by the opposition that they provided. I feel like that is so important to understand. That was a huge um, principle that I learned originally from Abraham's work. I, I really never had connected. I, I at some level knew that suffering was important but I was so horrified that people would hurt other people. And how could a God allow that? Um, what's the point of aging and the, and the, just the humiliation of getting old, you know, losing your, your capacity and having others to have to take care of you. And just that whole thing just really rubbed me wrong. The, the violence, the terror. I'm like, why, like, why is this important? And learning this principle that literally these are helping sanctify people who, who suffer, all of us have to, like Amy said, to attain the exaltation that we desire. We have to have these same experiences that Abraham had, that Joseph Smith had, um, that our prophets are having, you know, that's been alluded to that they've suffered to be able to bring their messages. Um, President Nelson suffered an injury and yet he delivered his message. So I just try to apply that to everything that's going on, even over in Israel, 
and know that that's coming to our door as well. And we're going to have to have these principles internalized so we don't um, just melt. You know, we don't just shrink and break. Yeah. What a powerful principle. It really is. And, and the thing is, like, God loves agency and he loves to bless us, like that is mentioned up throughout here and stuff that he's just so willing to give us gifts. Some of them have to be asked for, right? But like the ability to not shrink, to have courage. Uh, President Nelson's talk on, on courage was an excellent one there. Like, well, pray for more courage. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, ask for the gift. And <laughs> um, which one? Maxwell. Um, that uh, Bednar quotes, right? That I just don't want to shrink and, and praying for courage and, and things like that whole, um, I, I really need to like put all of those in a single thing and have those discourses just kind of side by side, Maxwell's, Nelson's, Bednar's, and just the power of, of asking for those heavenly gifts in our moments of need um, so that, that we don't just fly apart like glass, that we are strong, that we are resolute we are lions we are these these kings and queens of of gentiles israel uh to be who people can count on who uh, they can run to when when they need help kind of a thing that's so powerful as as a side note i don't know any of those that are studying hebrew or uh, even dabbling in it and, and things isn't it interesting through the different media coverage and stuff like you'll hear just like little snippets of people speaking in Hebrew and you're like oh I actually kind of understand that you know like a 10th part or whatever it's like holy cow like Netanyahu's speech or whatever I mean he was just uh saying anashim 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 our people our people and I was just like oh at least I know that one word <laughs> and I can pick that up through throughout his talk um even in the the midst of chaos and feelings and, and all of this stuff I was like for some reason that was like the weird little tender mercy of the Lord saying uh, uh, of, of the Hebrew language connecting with, with the people and stuff that you're, you're doing better than, than you think you are and, and things I don't know that it was just kind of wild but I just thought I'd throw that out there that no I, I've just connected with with the language so much lately in in lots of different things even even in the chaos and uh heartache um that that's poured out through now um any other comments and, and things sorry for those that, that join late i do have to to leave i have a family history thing that i have to go to but uh before my <laughs> temple shift i i pack way too much in on saturday sorry but um any final comments or or anything before we head out for the day um, just checking the calendar for next week, right? Yes. So uh, next week, the 20th, or let's see, just a second. Mother, do we, Randy Shay's wedding, are, that's at like evening, the reception and stuff, or is that going to affect? The reception's at six. Oh, okay. So yeah, oh, we, we should be good this morning then. Um, so yeah, next week we will do part two of... Uh, lecture 10. But yeah, well, have a excellent week, everyone, uh, especially tomorrow as you're considering the sacrament. <laughs> uh, approaching that different, and we'll 
see you on the flip side of your next wilderness journey. <laughs> Thank you so very much. Thank you. God bless you all. Happy eclipse. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. like right now. Starting oh, soon. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, have a great week, everyone. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.